Hey friends, welcome back to another episode of My Weekly Epiphany, where we discuss and share the epiphanies that come from our personal journeys, as well as the epiphanies that are sparked by current events. We explore various topics from dating and pop culture to social justice issues and simply navigating our everyday lives and sharing what epiphanies arise from it. I'm the creator and host, Bethany Epiphany, and it is my pleasure to welcome you back. Hey friends, you have made it through another week and it's always a pleasure to welcome you back. How have you been? What's going on with you? How is life? Thank you to all of you who reached out about the last episode I did with my mom. I received DMs and text messages about her and about how much you love her. And she loves y'all too, just so you know. Um, so thank you for your kind words. Um, I'm well. It's winter out here in LA. And I say winter in quotes because it doesn't feel like winter at all. Hashtag global warming. Like it gets cold at night, but other than that, it feels like a nice summer day. <laughs> it's in the 70s out here like see this is why I have no winter clothes like I do not own a coat I bought my first umbrella after college I feel you judging me and I don't appreciate it but that's all right you know because that's LA and it's global warming um aside from the weather uh the COVID numbers have been rising in LA And recently in SoCal, the number of available ICU beds, hospital beds, have dropped below 15%. I think it's like at 12% or something, which triggered a more strict stay-at-home order to be enforced this weekend. Um, I'm I'm recording this episode on Saturday, so it just came out. Before this, they had closed outdoor dining amongst other things and of course restaurant owners were pissed and there was even a protest everyone is just trying to survive you know the stay-at-home order is what I've been doing since March like I haven't seen any of my family or friends since March and when I think about that I get sad so I try not to think about it especially because I know that Others are having a much harder time. And with technology, at least I can still connect with my tribe. It's still hard though. I went grocery shopping yesterday because I could feel them getting ready to crack down again. And I was at Target and all the toilet paper was gone, honey. Okay, all the towel paper was gone, boo. I'm like, y'all, we're not about to do this again. Like, let's stop the foolishness. Like... There is more than enough for everyone. One woman on the aisle with me, she looked at at like the empty shelves of toilet paper and toilet tissue. And she was like, I'm tired of this. This is ridiculous. She clearly, she clearly needed to let that out. I'm like, girl, we are all tired of this. Okay. I'm tired of people not wearing a mask or social distancing because again, the reason the crackdowns keep happening is because folks are out here functioning with no common sense. Again, this is why I hate group projects because someone is always dragging and always lagging and not doing their part. 
So if we would just do our part, and if the government would do their part and help people actually survive with financial compensation, then we could be moving faster. Um, But alas, we are not. And Trump is still a dumbass. On a happier note, um, the nonprofit I work for completed its annual 100 Volunteers, 100 Stories event where on Giving Tuesday, we have 100 volunteers share their stories with students in LA. So every year we recruit, train, and schedule these volunteers. And of course, this year it was all virtual. And we had over 100 volunteers who spoke to at least 2,000 students virtually. And we had people from across the state. We had, I think, one person from Spain, another person was in South Africa. So it was just, it was really, really um, cool. And it was just a really special day to provide, you know, inspiration and motivation to these young people by sharing our stories. And what made it even more special was being able to connect with all the volunteers during our virtual celebration afterwards. And it was just so beautiful to be amongst people who, who share a similar passion to give back and it's just amazing how we put put the call out and people responded because you never you're never sure like how people are going to respond or if people are going to respond or people want to volunteer and they did um it reminded me of that saying which is build it and they will come and they did and it was my silver lining in the clouds last week um my silver lining this week Um, this week marks the one year anniversary of my dating book, Don't Fall Prey. I officially launched it on December 8th, 2019. And I had a big book signing event and it was just great. Like it was wonderful. It was well uh, received. It was just great. I had such a good day. I had such a good day. It was such a relief to have the book released and out into the world it's like I always say that writing a book like the the closest thing I can compare it to is like giving birth even though I do not I don't want to put it on the same like level as giving life but just the amount of time it takes to create and nurture this thing um, and the the pain that that can happen as you try to push it out into the world. Um, don't fall prey or completing don't fall prey took me through a lot of emotions. Writing the book was it was fun, but people aren't privy to what it takes to get a book put together and published. Now remember, I was nearing the finish line. And I was feeling so tired, y'all, and unmotivated. And I was like, forget it. I'm done. I don't want to do this anymore. Like, forget the book. Like, this was not a good idea. Like, why did I decide to do this? And I was feeling that way because of the bumpy ride I had trying to find people to assist me. So, like, writing the book, that's one thing. But, you know, I have to get a cover designer, a book layout person, a printer, I ended up working with someone who stole money from me. Like, it was tough. And I cried. 
but I made it across the finish line and I was just so happy that day. I can't believe it's been a year, bro. Like that's crazy. It's been a full year. Um, but I'm proud of the work that I did. Uh, my plan was to host events where men and women got together, um, especially black men and black women to discuss some of the topics in the book and have some type of a, a healing kumbaya. And I did one event, um, which I was happy about, and then Corona hit and everything stopped. But I'm hoping to find a creative way to host my events virtually until we can be in person again. Don't Fall Prey, just in case you want to know, is available for purchase on Amazon and my website, bethanyepiphany.com. Um, that's B-E-T-H-A-N-E-E-E-P-I-F-A-N-I.com. Um, it's for men and women. It is not a man bashing book. It's entertaining. It's informative and thought provoking. It's the perfect holiday gift. You should chew on that. Think about it. And as you chew on that, as you think about it, we'll take a quick break and come right back. All right, and we are back. So, my epiphany this week was sparked by viral news. This past week, a video went viral of a black restaurant owner in Dallas giving a verbal lashing to black women who were twerking in his restaurant. The owner of the restaurant is Kevin Kelly, and his restaurant is called True Kitchen. So the video shows black women standing up in the middle of the restaurant, twerking to the music the DJ was playing, and a couple of women were caught dancing on the furniture. I believe this was the brunch hour. And if you don't know, honey, black people love brunch, okay? We love, we love brunch. Um, apparently, they had been told by staff to not do that. And these women disregarded their warnings. So the owner comes out and gives all of the ladies, even those who were not dancing, a verbal lashing making it clear that his establishment was a restaurant and not the club, and they could take all that rump shaking and booty popping somewhere else. He went on to talk about how he wants Black women to respect themselves and wants Black men to respect them as well, and how he opened the restaurant to be a space where his people could come and eat, etc., etc., Then he ends his spiel with, if you don't like it, you can get the fuck out. I don't need your money. Cold. Now, the black community had a variety of responses to this occurrence. Some applauded the owner and what he did and what he said, while others heavily criticized it. I had multiple feelings as I tend to do or tend to have, and I will break down those feelings. Um, Feeling number one, why weren't people wearing masks? 
it is so hard to say mask in a plural form. Masks. Ugh! Cannot say it. Why weren't people wearing their mask, okay? And properly distanced inside this restaurant? Why? 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 Help the community stay alive by at least separating the tables further apart, sir. Like they were so close to each other. And this is why we are still in quarantine. Number two, if that were my restaurant, I too would be upset watching customers dance on top of my very expensive furniture. And if they had been told multiple times before to stop and they did not stop, that would aggravate anyone. So him telling them to get off his furniture and to turn down, like I understand. The part that rubbed me the wrong way was when he told the women that if they didn't like it, they could, quote, get the fuck out. (laughs) Like, that was harsh. He later came out and explains, and I believe he apologized for cursing, but not for the message he was trying to convey. It wasn't all the women. Like, it was only a few tables that were stepping out of line. So I feel like it would have been better to address those tables specifically and ask them to leave. Um, I don't think everyone deserved his verbal venom. Number three, what I hated the most is that it was filmed at all. It almost feels like a private family conversation that should have remained a private family conversation, but got aired out for the world to see. I didn't like feeling, or I didn't like the feeling of shame it evoked in me specifically, as well as others. The owner, Kelly, was shaming the black women who were twerking. And when it was publicized, it felt like a public shaming of black women. Perhaps I'm overthinking it because I tend to do this, but I think there is possibly a bigger conversation to be had around black women and the way we use our bodies. It feels like our bodies are threatening depending on how we use it. Let's face it, if the women were white or Asian or Latina twerking on the tables, yes, I'm sure the owner would have told them to stop as well, but there wouldn't be this level of shame or criticism attached to it. The conversation would not have gotten as big as it did, especially in the Black community. Now, twerking has a playful, yet sensual, sexual undertone to it. And I think the more Black women wield, showcase, and harness the power of their sexuality, even if it is in the form of a dance, the more it can make people uncomfortable the more threatening it is. I think Black women's sexuality has always been threatening in this country. Take take the WAP video, music video, for example. People were upset, okay? People were in an uproar with Cardi B and Meg Thee Stallion because of the lyrics in their song WAP, which stands for Wet Ass Pussy, and because of how sexy the music video was. Well, some some thought it was raunchy and classless, not sexy. 
but they just felt it was too much. Also, take Janet Jackson during her Super Bowl halftime performance where Justin Timberlake accidentally rips her costume and exposes her nipple. Janet was chewed apart. She was damn near blacklisted for showing a nipple, child, like that lasted for mere seconds. That was not her fault. And her career took a serious hit. In contrast, think about Britney Spears. Or think about Britney Spears and Madonna kissing during a live performance. Or Miley Cyrus during her awkward twerk phase. Or Kim Kardashian. Or Paris Hilton eating a Carl's Jr. burger while aggressively and sexually washing a car in like a thong bikini. Jessica Simpson did it too. What about other non-Black women who flaunt their bodies and wield their sexuality? Yes, these women received backlash, but the level of shaming was different. At least to me, it was different. I'm talking about public shame versus community shame, of which Black women can and have received both. Now, I think it's important to keep in mind that all of these things have historical context, which is why history is so important. History is important because it teaches you about the present moment. Black women have always been looked at as Jezebels and sexually deviant. Um, That's what we're good for, sex. We're not human, we're just a sex toy. And Black women's bodies have always received a lot of curiosity and abuse and experimentation and awe and lust, and disgust, and bewilderment, and fascination, and now copying because people want our physique. But it goes all the way back to Sarah Bartman, also known as Hot and Tot Venus. Um, For those who don't know, Sarah um, was a South African woman, and she was born in the 1700s, I believe, Um, and she was stolen from her home. Of course, the slave trade was well underway um, at this time, and she was eventually taken to London, where she was heavily exploited and put on display for countless audiences, all because her of her body proportions, specifically her bottom, her butt. Um, white folks were bewildered and had a sick sexual curiosity about Sarah's body. Um, Her story is very sad. So what I'm saying is, there is a historical perception, a historically wrong perception of Black women and our bodies. So when that video went viral, it just felt like the perception of Black women as only being good for popping our asses was reaffirmed. And then to circulate this idea that twerking somehow indicates that Black women don't respect themselves is not true, right? Black people dance. We dance like we move our bodies in celebration and in joy and in pain. 
it's less about self-respect and more about the fact that it was the wrong place and time to turn up. Kevin Kelly does not want his restaurant to be the turn up spot. Like we got it. But why is self-respect tied to being conservative and or more quote unquote white? I've known plenty of non-black women who did not work, who had no respect for themselves. Self-respect is tied to mirroring white people and white society. It's about assimilation. Anything that opposes this assimilation is disrespectful or black. So we really have to mind the words we're using and how we're framing the conversation. As much as everyone wants to, we cannot disregard historical context and how it impacts the present moment. We cannot ignore the residue slavery has left behind and how it impacts our self-perception as Black people. And on that, we're going to take another quick break and I'll be back with my epiphany. Stay tuned. Okay, we are back. And per usual, I will attempt to break down my long and complex epiphany. Okay. So we're talking about shame. And shame has many layers and derives from a variety of different things. There is public shame versus community shame that I previously mentioned. And there's reparative shaming. And there's also stigmatizing shaming. Reparative shaming is the type of shaming that parents use. Many of us have experienced this type of shaming from our parents. For example, if as a kid, you did something you knew you weren't supposed to do and your parents found out and they gave you that upset, disappointed face coupled with a stern talking to where they remind you not to do what you did again. But you know that they love you and that you are still a member of the family and that they are trying to guide you away from doing stupid things and life goes on. So reparative shaming is meant to teach about behavior and to correct that behavior and then bring you back into the community. So the goal is that you will always be a part of the community. Stigmatizing shaming enforces the idea that you are this bad person because of who you are and what you look like. It's a way of negatively labeling you and defining you based on what you look like. For example, to say that black women are sexually deviant or that black men are criminals and are dangerous, you know, are examples of this. That's why when we hear about a robbery or a shooting or a criminal activity on the news, black people hope that the person they're talking about isn't black. Because of the stigmatizing shame it, br- it brings to our community, which stems from historical context. 
the energy is America already thinks we're bad, so please don't do anything to reinforce this stigma. And that's the feeling I got from the restaurant owner in Dallas. My epiphany is that I believe the owner of the restaurant, Kevin Kelly, was trying to implement a type of reparative shaming to correct behavior that he felt was unbecoming in Black women at that moment in time. However, it turned into a stigmatizing shaming when he started talking about Black women needing to respect themselves and respectability politics and reinforced a stigma that Black women do not respect themselves because of how we use our bodies as an extension of expression. It's like the energy behind his words were, America already perceives Black people to be a certain way. Let's not put that perception out there. Let's respect ourselves. Let's improve our behavior and act better. Now, Wanting people to respect your establishment by not standing on your furniture and physically ruining your establishment is one thing. But my question is, and this is a a real question, right? How do you determine what behavior is best? Who are you comparing our behavior to or Black women's behavior to? And why is their behavior deemed to be better than ours? Why do we care about the white gaze or how they perceive us? As long as we know who we are, their perception shouldn't matter, right? It's just something to think about. Like I said, I feel like it's a part of a bigger conversation. So while Kevin poorly executed reparative shaming in his restaurant, once the video went viral, it created a stigmatizing shame that reinforced the negative perception of Black women to members outside of our community, as well as within it. And Black women were just looked down upon again. And I just wish the video was never recorded. I wish that would have remained a private quote-unquote, family conversation for us to resolve on our own. But perhaps its exposure or this exposure is leading to a bigger community conversation that is necessary. Who knows? But that is my very long (laughs) epiphany. Chew on that for a while. I'll definitely be chewing on it. Um, But I do have a quick announcement So this will be the last episode for season one of my weekly epiphany. I know, don't be sad. Don't be sad, y'all. I will be back for season two of my weekly epiphany on February 1st, which is kicking off Black History Month. Um, The break will be good because it will allow me to get a little break and set some things up, maybe get an Insta, maybe post the episodes on my website. Um, I'll be doing things, so the the break will be good, Um, and I'm sure there will be lots to talk about. 
But you know what? I am so proud of myself. I am so proud of myself. Like, I really did it. Like, I really brought people on here. I really had conversations. I really got listeners. I stay consistent. Ugh, so proud of me. Yay, me. Yay to me. And thank you to y'all for listening and being a part of the ride. Special shout out to Pia and Regine and Lindsay and Fee for tuning in and sharing the love. Shout out to all of my guests. Thank you for blessing me with your time, your conversation, and your insight. You blessed me. I've learned a lot. I've learned a lot about this podcasting world. There's still a lot more to learn. Um, And I'll continue to grow and learn and see where the road takes me. Um, But that's it. All right, everyone. I'll see you in February 2021. Until then, uh, buy your copy of Don't Fall Pray. Buy your copy of My Quarter of a Century Life Lessons. um, And stay blessed. Love y'all. Peace. Hey friends, thanks for listening. Please tune in every Monday for a new episode of My Weekly Epiphany. You can learn more about me at bethanyepiphany.com or follow me on Instagram at beepiphany. That's B-E-P-I-F-A-N-I. Until next time, stay cool, stay safe, and God bless.